Hello and welcome to the Episcopal Student Fellowship Sermon Podcast Recap. Uh, my name is the Reverend James Franklin, and with me here is Paul Collins. Hello. Um, and we are going to be recapping uh, last night's sermon, uh, just doing some commentary on it, what we heard, uh, what we uh, experienced, uh, and we're going to start out with uh, the reading from last night, and Paul is going to read that for us. The reading is Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Thanks, Paul. Um, so, maybe just kind of open up with a, some some questions um, about last night. Uh, I think I did maybe what preachers are uh, not supposed to do, in that uh, I tried to cover like everything that was going on in this mm. passage, and uh, as I was doing it, I was like, ah, I shouldn't be doing this, but I really want to yeah. talk about it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I did anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one of the things that that I talked about last night before we jump in is the fact that the lectionary uh, leaves out the preceding lines mm-hmm. from this passage, um, and I. I thought that that's kind of, it's interesting, um, and, and I don't know why they've done that, because if, and as I said last night, I feel like that, those lines frame this, con- the context of what Jesus is talking about, and why he's saying these, these things to the disciples, that he's talking about, um, their, um, I don't know, ignorance, mm. or rejection, mm-hmm. or whatever, of, of Jesus saying, Mm-hmm. Um, in the preceding lines that he is going to Jerusalem, he's mm-hmm. going to be mocked, uh, he's going to be tried, he's going to mm-hmm. be handed over, he's going to be killed, mm-hmm. and on the third day rise again. Mm-hmm. And then you immediately have uh, James and John talking about sitting at Jesus' right and left hand. Right. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting but important to include because it does frame the the whole rest of the passage in terms of um, they're kind of uh, neglecting the point. Like they're, they're kind of missed the point of 
of Jesus's death and resurrection and what that means, um, what that means for them as disciples and what that means for us. Absolutely. I think that was a, um, just very important to, um, give that reference. Um, and then as you did, um, I think put it, that reference within the context of the whole gospel, right? What is Mark actually writing about here? And Mark is so interested in this, this idea of the suffering servant, which, you know, like you had um, preached about is juxtaposed to this idea of the, the Mashiach, right? Mm -hmm. Who, who's going to come in with glory in this sort of very earthly way. Um, and, um, usher in this like kingdom of God on earth, right? With power and with glory. And, and I think just be interesting to, to, you know, reflect even further on what is it that the disciples actually think Jesus is talking about and how, how is it that there is all this dissonance? Like, how can you have in a couple of verses beforehand, him explicitly saying, this is what's going to happen. And the other end, <laughs> you know, like a total misreading. I, I, I really wonder, you know, sort of imaginatively what, what's really going on. It, it, could this be, their inability to deal with the trauma of what's about or with impending trauma mm. is it to kind of avoid yeah. stepping into the pain of what he's saying um or what's going on because this isn't the first time they've exactly. done the kind of boneheaded things that they've done exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and and then you also brought up this idea of then, you know, Jesus uses the image of the child at first, right? So he uses it in, earlier in chapter 10 and then before that, I think mm -hmm. in 9. Um, and now the, the metaphor is slave, mm -hmm. doulos, right? Yeah. Literally, like, okay, you didn't get the, the child analogy. Mm -hmm. You're going to be the slave. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the metaphor. Yeah. I, I've come to serve as a slave. And if you're going to be my followers, you're going to do the same. Mm -hmm. And that's going to lead to my death. Mm. Um, so these are, these are powerful metaphors, which are going in mm. totally different directions that, that mm -hmm. the disciples are going in. Mm. So, yeah, mm. I wonder, and I didn't go into this too deeply, um, cause I don't want to sound like a broken record about mm. it. Cause I have preached about it before, but like, I wonder like how much of this is, um, the ego versus mm. God's will, mm. you know? And that I didn't talk about this last night. Um, I may have only mentioned it, but um, like how much of this is disciples mm -hmm. ego and, and therefore our ego mm -hmm. versus um, the kind of full and complete um, acceptance of God of, mm -hmm. of, you know, thou and mm -hmm. not I mm -hmm. um, and your will, not mine. Um, and how much, is this a is this a testament to to kind of hear that the disciples who were with the guy like mm. they're like physically with him and are with him all the time and heard things that that they didn't even write down you know right, like right. you know like they they saw they saw Jesus like for twenty four hours a day you know right. they were with him right and they still weren't getting it obviously mm. because. And I wonder if because of their own stuff, like because mm. of their own ego, they just are, are, have this blind spot, mm. you know, like who is the greatest, right? right? And Jesus says, you know, 
and has to go back in and say like no whoever's greatest is going to be least right the least are the greatest right yeah that's that's a really intriguing question um it's hard to say what the disciples would have felt sure right but if if you were to put up ourselves in that as disciples today and say what's our how is it that we um make sense of this gospel message what does it mean for us um then i think where you went with the um then the the crucifixion right and and who was present at the crucifixion right who was present at the tomb and that these very same men are not there mm-hmm. um and in fact if you go to the end of mark like mark is not even doesn't even have a resurrection story no it doesn't right yeah like mark is okay with the yeah. fact that yeah we leave know, it at the empty tomb the empty tomb mm-hmm. right and um folks uh, the the women are there and they're afraid right because um, we don't we don't acknowledge the second last ending of Mark, right? Ex- exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so for Mark, yeah. for the this writer, that's mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, there's enough for us. There's enough in his gospel, I think he's saying to us, for us to get a sense of who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, and that writer doesn't need a triumphant resurrection mm-hmm. to be convinced mm-hmm. that. Yes, there's something about this man, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, for us who know that Jesus dies, he descends to hell, he comes back and rises again, is it maybe easier for us to accept this gospel because we know how it ends? Mm -hmm. But I wonder if all we had was Mark, Mm -hmm. right? If all we had was Mark and sensibilities, that we really don't know what happened to this guy, Mm -hmm. but... 16 chapters of his life is enough. Mm-hmm. It's enough for me to say I'm intrigued and I'm willing to give my all mm-hmm. to follow in this man's way, this man Jesus's way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I wonder, I wonder, how, you know, what that would mean for us. Because in some ways, if we're to compare the disciples with our own sensibilities of the resurrection, then it's unfair. Because mm-hmm. we know it, what happens in the end. But, but they didn't. Right. So, um, so I also want to be somewhat sympathetic or empathetic to their cause. Yeah. Because they, they don't know the full story. How could they, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm always, um, a little hard on the, uh, on the disciples, I think. And it's yeah. easy <laughs> to be right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just, seem to um be so boneheaded Mm -hmm. um but i think possibly mark's point is Mm -hmm. that that that's us Mm. you know Mm. um and that if we are to see the gospel through through their eyes a Mm -hmm. little bit um that that we too, um, you know, if given this kind of question of, of ego, mm. um, that we too have this blind spot and, um, like we too are concerned with the, the trappings of, of greatness and, and success mm. and, 
um, fear of failure, mm. um, conflict avoidant people right. <laughs> who <laughs> who flee when you know our um, our our leaders are, are questioned, you mm. know, and um, um, it seems yeah, it seems to me to be really important that that Mark would not mm. give more than you know, than the ending, than, mm-hmm. than just to leave it at the empty tomb, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what the last thing is they leave because they were so afraid, right? That That's was it. the last. That's yeah. It. Um, so I think, um, back to your question about like, if this was the only thing we had, mm-hmm. then it would, it would mean a whole lot more, especially given this passage that we read last night and, to, and this morning that, um, that Jesus's statement about um, I'm gonna die um, for something greater, mm. you know, and that um, that I'm fulfilling uh, I'm fulfilling um, what the prophets said mm. about me, mm. you know, I'm fulfilling what Isaiah, you know, and the children of Israel longed for in a mm. Messiah, you know, that. Um, I feel like it would make that even more important Mm. Um, because um, you don't, because Mm. you don't know. Mm. And so then you might even have to take it on faith and trust even more Mm. that like, wow, um, this was our, this was our Messiah. Like this is the person who, um, who was, you know, overthrowing a system um, by not participating in it whatsoever by uh, Roman authority is all about power about you know might about how much money how much ego I mean how much influence how much how many armies you command you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and that's what they were looking for right mm-hmm. and so um, here's Jesus who, who who literally lays down on the cross and mm. offers himself you know freely mm-hmm. Um as as a sign of of this servant um, leader who um, right. who will bear everything for us, right? I you know I think um, there's a lot there, and um, you know recently we celebrated the canonization of Oscar Romero, yeah, um, and uh, uh, representatives. I think nine bishops from the Anglican Communion and um, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, were mm-hmm. there at St. Peter's last week Sunday, and um, his, uh, in one of his sermons, Oscar Romero actually talked about us being, and I quote, prophets of a future, not our own, and that we are servants, not the master builder. And so what does that mean, mm. right? To work for this better world that we don't even, we say kingdom of God, but what does that mean? Yeah. How do we even begin to imagine what that looks like? And how do we begin to bring that about in our own context as we look at uh, impending elections, as we look at violence around the world, uh, um, you know, abuse of women and children and all these sorts of factors and what it means to be disciples in this world. I think Oscar Romero Romero is reminding us that um, we cannot know the future, just like um, the disciples 
um, cannot know exactly what Christ's death and resurrection and the ushering in of his kingdom is going to mean. But the call is still to faithful discipleship and radical service um, that Jesus is willing to use this term slave, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what does it mean to be a slave of the gospel, a slave of the good news, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly in the times in which we find ourselves? Um, Can we let go of the certainties that we attach to maybe our egotistical sensibilities and say, there's enough there's enough that we know about Christ and what it means to follow him. Um, and maybe the challenge is just trying to do it, right? Trying to embrace this way of love that you ended off with you know, in the ser- sermon. Um, what does it mean to then live out this way of love? Um, which I think as Episcopalians, we're being called to do, mm-hmm. you know, as well in this Jesus movement moment if you will yeah (laughs) you know um yeah yeah just to kind of wrap our conversation up here um you yeah you bring up that this is a roadmap on on this is what it means to journey with with jesus Mm -hmm. and that spending time with Jesus, especially in these hard passages in Mark, where Jesus is saying things that aren't very comforting, Mm. um, um, but that are very teaching of how to be disciples. Um, Then what he's laying out is, you know, how to bring about the kingdom. Mm. Um, If if we're going to follow Jesus, then it means becoming like him. And living into that kind of original creation mm-hmm. narrative of over time, we're supposed to become like God. Mm. Um, and over time, a- after spending time with Jesus, we become like Jesus, right? That's the goal. Mm. Um, and to be um, be his disciples, which means to, to follow and serve in the way that he served uh, and bring about the kingdom and whatever that means. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, uh, and so maybe we could spend the last couple of minutes just talking about like, mm-hmm. this is a huge topic, but right. eschatology about right, like right. what it means to have like hope now and hope for mm-hmm. the kingdom and hope in the end of the kingdom. Mm. I think, that's a big question. You know, yeah, right? um, that's, a massive, <laughs> that's a huge yeah. question. Um, One minute, go. Right. <laughs> um, but I suppose as we start seeing the pumpkins coming up and the Halloween costumes showing up on the um, store aisles, um, maybe we can turn our attention to what we should always be focusing on is this idea of the great cloud of witnesses, right? That, that right with us in this moment, there's thousands of faithful ones cheering us on, right? Um, that we don't see, but they're always with us. And to know that that body, that cloud of witness, those holy women, holy men, um, are so diverse, right? There's no one right way of living out this call 
right? From Oscar Romero to um, Paul VI to Vida Dunn Scudder to Absalom Jones to, you know, Mantio and Virginia Deer, who we were talking about the other day. Um, there's so, they're so diverse and there's so many ways of taking in this message and living it out in one's own individual life. Um, the beauty of that is within that diversity, there is a, a, a core unity, which is in Christ, is in that although we have each have different charisms, we each have different calls, we each have different contexts, for the, the devil's advocate, if you will, looking in on this all, or, or for the, the faithful ones, um, looking at, at the lives of the saints, I think we can say, but there's something about the love of Christ that is so evident in this per person's witness. Mm -hmm. And so although they're different and they're many, they're one because they're all driven by the same power that animates both you and me, right? And so, um, so I think maybe it's a call to then study the saints mm. and see how they did it. Mm-hmm. And be reminding ourselves constantly that um, that they've walked the walk, um, and they're still with us now, and they're cheering us on as we attempt to walk this way of love. Yeah, so. I'm thinking about uh, the hymn. <laughs> God help me to be one right, too. Exactly. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah, and we're we're coming up, like you said, we're coming up on on All Saints, and where we where we do remember those who have been saints to us, mm -hmm. um, the saints that we know and don't know, mm -hmm. um, and um, and we are gonna we're gonna celebrate All Saints in a little different way this mm. year, but I think it. It should really speak to this whole eschatology question, I believe, mm. because we're having a bluegrass mass. I love it. And uh, on November 4th, mm. uh, I believe. Um, and so uh, come join us uh, for for that. Um, I'm going to try and tape that live. Uh, oh, that'd be wonderful. And, that, and then yeah. I'd be able to post <laughs> that. Um and um, and that's going to be a conversation about the theology that's present in um, mm. that's in a lot of bluegrass music, a lot mm. of gospel bluegrass, mm -hmm. um, a, and a lot of it is um, kind of harkens back to um, uh, like the story of Moses, mm. you know, the story of um, of hopefulness for the uh, already and not yet. Mm. Um, of um, of the kingdom come, mm. and um, and what that looks like for for how we live today, mm. and I'm really excited about that. I'm I am too. I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a good segue into uh, some a little public service announcement about what's coming up. Um, but uh, we just want to thank you, Paul, for for your reflection on on the sermon and for your words. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in.